What's up? Welcome back to another episode, episode 22 of the Wizards podcast. I'm your host, Greg Finberg. And today we got, you know, a little bit of a different episode than we've had the last couple of weeks because, like I said in the last one, we're not talking about trade rumors anymore. We're not talking about buyouts. We're talking about, you know, actual games after the All-Star break. We're talking about guys like Jordan Poole coming off the bench now. We're talking about Jared Butler Jr. and Johnny Davis, you know, finally getting some minutes in the rotation. You know, just kind of some not too much of a, you know, jam-packed episode in terms of, you know, drama or breaking news or anything like that. Um, and and look, that's not going to happen when your team uh, has lost 11 straight games, is on the verge of going winless in the month of February. There's not much exciting things to talk about. So I'm going to get excited about some things that you might think I shouldn't be excited about. And, you know, that's probably because, you know, number one, I'm too optimistic probably about my team. Um, and, and also, you know, it's probably just the fact that when your team is is this bad, you got to find some ways to be excited and to keep watching the games because I'm sure a lot of fans have have tuned out um, and and really just don't care about this team anymore. Uh, and look, I don't blame you for that. I I mean, I'm not going to tell you how to be a fan. Um, you know, it's not the way that I I view you know um, fandom and and the way that you should probably be a fan. But look, the team's nine and forty eight. If you don't want to watch, don't watch. Um, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, and if you do watch, you're you're you know brave soul. Um, you're a real one. And, and when the team finally does become good, you you can just kind of sit back and say, you know, I was there when the team was this bad. I was there when the team didn't win a, a game probably in February. Um, and I was still watching even though they were they were one of the worst teams of all time. So, look, at the end of the day, you know, there's not much you know, like I said, concrete going on, but. We're going to talk about a few topics. The first one, and probably the biggest one, is Jordan Poole moving to the bench. He's now the sixth man on the Wizards, just like he was on the Warriors during that title run. Uh, a spot where I think he he is, you know, best in terms of you know the ball can be in his hands. He can play point guard. He can facilitate. He can you know go get his own buckets as well. People have been calling for this. Fans have been calling for this for for a while now. But you know. I mean, me personally, I didn't think it would happen. I feel like, and I'm not going to say Jordan Poole has a big ego, but I feel like ego-wise in terms of, you know, you were traded here to become one of the best players on this team. You started all season. Would it be looked upon as an indictment on you and your skill and your performance taking you from a starter, making the most money on the team to somebody coming off the bench? I didn't think that they were, you know, going to be able to do that. Um, and I also don't, I, I didn't know what the front office wanted. I mean, you know, on one hand, you yeah, you're trying to lose, uh, but you're also trying to you know play good basketball in, in the process. You know, you don't want to just play terrible basketball and create bad habits. And I feel like Jordan Poole was creating bad habits as a starter. Um, you know, not getting the shots he wanted, and and in turn forcing things, chucking up deep threes. You know, trying to get shots instead of you know playing through the flow of the game and having the shots find him. So the fact that you know Brian Keefe. Um, was able to you know sit there and say, look, we need to make a change. Um, and the fact that Jordan Poole, you know, was like, okay, fine, I'm not gonna come out in the media and say some some BS about I want the ball and and all this. And he did he made a comment to Ava Wallace, um, after the game where a lot of people took it out of context. I felt like Ava, you know, quoted it perfectly. I felt like it was, um, you know, attributed the right way. I mean, Jordan said, look, like. Obviously, this is one I wanted, and I'm sure this isn't what the team wanted or envisioned at the beginning of the year, but it, it happened. And and look, you got to sit here and say, 
I mean, at least I got the ball in my hands. At least I can play point guard. And hopefully, you know, this will help me, um, you know, improve my game. And look, Jordan Poole is playing the, probably the same amount of minutes he was already playing. You know, he's just starting off the bench. He's still closing games. He still has the ball in his hands late. You know, it's not like he's just reverted to a bench player. I feel like he's kind of a starter that comes off the bench, if that makes sense. Um, but look, in three games since coming off the bench, he's averaging 23.3 points per game, three rebounds, and three assists. Is it efficient? Fuck no, it's not. He's shooting 38% from the field and 36.6% from three. However, his efficiency has improved every game. 4 of 17 in that first game in Dallas, one of the worst performances of, of his uh, tenure in the Wizards. Then he moves to 7 of 19 the following game. Still not good, but better than 4 of 17. And then the game against the Cavs, possibly his best game of the season. He shoots 11 of 21, above 50% from the field. 6 of 13 from 3, which I think is around like 42 to 45% from 3. Uh, you know, a very efficient game in the Cavs. And look, Overall efficiency numbers, not good. But the fact that I've kind of seen growth and he's you know improving steadily in every game, getting more comfortable in this this new role off the bench, that that, that gives me some hope and, and a light at the end of the tunnel that maybe this move is what's going to unlock Jordan Poole and, and unlock him in a way that maybe, you know, not maybe not this year, but, you know, next year he can come back to that starting role, you know, really figure that out, become an everyday starting shooting guard. Um, Because I feel like, we kind of rushed him into that, um, you know, rushed him into, you know, coming off the bench as a six man for the Warriors and then coming here and being the number one option pretty much alongside Kuz. That's a big leap. Um, and, and it took a while, way longer than I'm sure Poole thought and the Wizards thought for him to develop and, and get used to that. Um, you know, look at Kuz, you know, he's a he's a role player on the Lakers, comes to D.C., in that first year, in the in the first half, he's he's a little bit of, of a struggle um, in terms of efficiency, you know, getting those shots. But then he figures it out. And by the end of that season, Kuz was, I would arguably say, one of the better players on the team. Uh, and obviously, you know, next year um, when, when KP was here, he was phenomenal. This year, he's been solid. I feel like Jordan Poole, just like Kuz, needs a little bit more time maybe. And I think coming off the bench is the perfect move at the perfect time right after the All-Star break, kind of a clean slate to get everything right. Um, and if that Cavs game is any indication of, of what he's going to provide off the bench, then then this move is going to look unbelievable in a couple of months. So that's that's kind of my thoughts on the Jordan Poole front. Um, you know, intriguing to, to say the least. Efficiency needs to improve, but, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with, with obviously the Cavs' performance, dropping 31 points on um on above 50% from the field, but but also just kind of the improvement I've seen each game off the bench from Poole. Two other guys that I want to highlight um are Johnny Davis and Jared Butler Jr., two guards that were behind that logjam at the, at the guard position for a lot of the season, um, with Elon Wright getting bought out and going to the Heat. It opens up a ton more minutes, not only for Poole off the bench to be that point guard, but for guys like Johnny Davis and Jared Butler to also get minutes. And and Jared Butler, Johnny Davis getting more minutes because Denny Avdia has missed the last two games. Uh, Corey Kispert was out that uh, Cleveland game with a non-COVID illness. Bilal got hurt um, in the Cleveland game, meaning that you know Johnny Davis had to start the second half. So both of them are getting good minutes. Um, are they taking advantage of those good minutes? For Butler, I would say yes. And look, don't look at the box score, the numbers for these guys, because those stats aren't going to jump off the page. But if you watched the games, if you if you legitimately sat there, 
watch the blowout against the Thunder, watch the game against the Cavaliers, you would know that Jared Butler Jr. has a future in this league. Jared Butler, I mean, everyone knows he's unbelievable defensive instincts. You know, him with um, Davion Mitchell in that uh, backcourt at Baylor that won the national championship were a force to be reckoned with. You know, you couldn't really get by them on the perimeter. Um, and and th- that that coupled with some intriguing elements of upside, I feel like he has great floor vision, can see, you know, the floor very well with a pick and roll, make some really nice skip passes, some really nice pocket passes, some nice lobs. He had a nice lob to Rashawn Holmes in the game against Cleveland. I'm very excited to see what Jared Butler Jr. can do because he killed it with the go-go and, and he's been pretty solid in some of the late game stints that I've seen recently when he, when he plays for the Wizards at the NBA level. That's Jared Butler. Um, look, for Johnny Davis, I, I'm going to literally come out and say it. I'm biased here. I have I might be one of the only Wizards fans left that still hold is still holding his Johnny Davis stock. I I just I haven't seen I I will be able to admit my error in still believing in Johnny Davis when Johnny Davis gets real 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 minutes um and is still not producing. Look, he's averaged 17 minutes over the last 3 games. Short sample size, but it's it's a lot more minutes. It's 17 more minutes than he was getting for most of the season. Um and the scoring the scoring and the offensive production are still quite scarce. It's you know, he scored two points in every single game. Um shooting splits are not good. Three point shot non existent. He doesn't even try to take it at this point. He had one go in and out, and I I I even tweeted out, it was like, I'm counting that. And you can make fun of me all you want. I'm I'm counting the fact that it and that's sad. And I know that's sad. Uh, but that's what being a Wizards fan is. It's sad. Um, you just gotta embrace how sad it, it is. And and I've obviously done that, as you see with some of my tweets, just kind of making fun of the team. Um, but I'm not giving up hope on Johnny. He had a great I feel like I would be laughing if I heard myself say this as well, because I'm just kind of nitpicking some of the unique positives of his performances, but a seven rebound game against OKC. That's solid. That might be his career high in rebounds. Um, you know, shows a little bit more versatility. I don't know. I, I can't really defend myself here as to why I'm still believing in Johnny Davis. Maybe it's just like false hope or, you know, blind optimism. But I think at the end of this season, I should be able to, you know, kind of maybe come over to that side where, you know, maybe Johnny Davis might not be it. But I, but I'm holding out hope because if Johnny Davis works out, the the Twitter rampage I'm going to go on, you know, just highlighting every single person that when I tweet about Johnny Davis called, you know, said he was a bust or said, you know, nobody cares, stop talking about this guy, um, nobody thinks he's good, he's terrible. That is why probably I'm still holding out hope because I've held it out for far too long already that I'm kind of committed. Um, so look, I believe in Johnny Davis still. You can make fun of me, you can laugh, but I just I want to see him get real minutes and real opportunity. And I think we're starting to see the beginning of that. Um, and look, we got about 25 games remaining for Johnny to to really show this fan base, you know, what he can do. Because I feel like I feel like a lot of his frustration is obviously with the fact that his game hasn't been that great. But it's also with the lack of minutes, you know, sitting behind guys like DeLon Wright all season and Landry Shamit all season, you know, veterans that probably won't be here for the duration of this rebuild. If I'm Johnny Davis, I'm like, look, I know I haven't been good, but at least give me a fucking chance. At least give me 20 plus minutes a game for a 10 to 15 game stretch and let me play. 
giving me five to seven minute stints in the first half when Wes Until Jr. was here, then not letting me play in the second half, and then I go two games without playing before I see garbage time minutes. How am I supposed to develop in that in that situation? And I, and I look, it is understandable, and I know Johnny needs to be better, and I'm sure he knows that as well. Um, obviously not drafted by this front office too, so that could be a, a part of the issue where you know he really has to prove himself because at the end of the day, these guys are off the hook if he's not good. They can cut their losses, and Tommy Shepard will be blamed and not them. So... I'm I'm hype. Um, I'm excited to see Johnny Davis in an increased role. I'm really rooting for the kid, hoping that you know he really turns it on and does well. I, that might not be the case, obviously, but I'm gonna hold out hope. So that's that's just kind of Jared Butler, Johnny Davis. Also, Patrick Baldwin Jr. has seen a little bit more minutes. Uh, he had a great block on Aaron Wiggins in the game against OKC. Played extended minutes with Denny out and Bilal out in the game against the Cavs, where I thought he he didn't look that great offensively, but you know held his own on the defensive end. Playing forward instead of center, which I'm happy about because I, I don't think he's a center at all. He's not big enough. Uh, I think of that stretch four, Michael Porter Jr. type of role is what what suits him. He's got to be more efficient with that three-point shot. So, you know, happy to see Jared Butler and Johnny Davis get some minutes. And hopefully, you know, down the line, they can make those minutes worthwhile. That moves us to – I want to touch a, a bit on the on the big men. Um, primarily because that's been the biggest issue this season is the lack of interior presence. I think the Nuggets, I think the Nug- I mean, last year the Nuggets um, scored 98 pain points against the Wizards, um, which is, I think, the most in NBA history. And, and they were probably pretty close to it in that first game. Uh, in OKC, zero pain presence, obviously against the Cavs with Mobley and with, with Allen, no pain presence on defense. Bagley and Holmes have never been defender, never been centers that hold their hat on the defensive end, um, and obviously that's the case. I, I actually thought Bagley did did well down the stretch against uh, Allen. Had a couple blocks. Was kind of you know instead of trying to body him up the entire time, just kind of using his length and his leaping ability to block some of the shots. Same goes for for Holmes as well. Um, and look, I don't expect to get good defensive production from those bigs. That's not their game, uh, but. You do want to see better defense. And I think Brian Keefe's game plan against the Cavs was perfect because he didn't leave them on an island like Wes would sometimes do with Gafford. He had people stun. He had guards come down and help make other people beat you from the three-point line. And that's why the Wizards went on that big run. That's why they had a six-point lead in the fourth. And that's why they almost won the game against the second-best team in their conference. I, I understand, look, the defense in the, in the paint is terrible, and you can sit there and say, well, if it's terrible, then the big men must suck, and it's their fault. Uh, I think that's kind of a basic take for, for someone that maybe watches the box score and doesn't watch the actual game. Um, I, fe- I felt like they, they were fine, and I I don't think it's a, you know, defe- a, a defensive issue in terms of individual players. I think it's a personnel issue in terms of we don't really have that anchor on defense. We had it with Gaff, but... You can't expect Bagley, who, who you know played the four a lot in in Sacramento and and also in um in Detroit and, and Holmes, who played the four with the Sixers, played some of the four even in Dallas and Sacramento. You know they're kind of these undersized bigs that I prefer to play alongside you know a dominant big man. Um, and we don't have that, so I'm not going to you know sit here and put the blame on, of all the defensive issues on on the on the centers. I think they've been decent. Um, I like what Keith did, like I said, allowing guards to double and to stunt and to help on those drives, you know, make others beat you, make it a little tougher on them. Um, but overall, I think Bagley's been a great addition. I think Holmes can be a great addition. 
has showed some promise in terms of, you know, fighting on the glass, kind of getting his nose in there, um, adding a bit more physicality to us in the paint, especially on offense. So, you know, kind of intrigued to see they're going to get big minutes. It should be Bagley all the way to start at center the rest of the season. Should be Holmes backing him up, maybe some PBJ minutes as well. But, you know, I'm intrigued because they're both under contract for next season. I'm pretty sure it's a, t a player option for both, and I they're not going to decline that. No one's going to pay them $12 million each. They're going to be here for next year as well. So hopefully we start to see some things and, and some intriguing, you know, upside potential from both of them. Holmes a little on the older side, but especially from Bagley. Okay, so that that's the, the, the big men front. Just wanted to touch on that real quick. Uh, moving on to, to the next topic, the Wizards – and I tweeted this out, so I want to I want to let you know that I was in front of this, I saw this, and I knew this would probably be the case, which is so upsetting because that shows how not only how much I know my team, but how much I know how bad my team is, uh, and that's the fact that the Wizards are on the verge of being just the 14th team in NBA history to lose every single game in a calendar month. The Pistons just became the 13th team a bit ago when they lost. Was it 31 straight games? Um, the Wizards have lost 11 straight, and and they're they're on the verge of losing of losing 13 straight, which would make it what an oh I think an oh and 11 month something like that in February. So, look, is it ideal? I don't I don't know. Um, it, it's ideal in the fact that they are so far inside that bottom three that there's no way they will get out of it, which is nice because you want to tank and get a top three pick. But it's also kind of deflating, you know, watching all of these games as a fan, I'm sure for the players as well, and just kind of knowing like, look, we might play very well, but we just don't have enough against a lot of these teams. Um, and look, I think the Wizards have played some of their best basketball across this stretch, and you might call me crazy for that. Um, you know, the team's lost 11 straight, but I, I really do believe what I just said, that they're playing some good basketball. The defense looks better. Um, I've liked a lot of what I've seen, despite the the, the record. Um, and look, if you're watching these games and, and you're really, you, you know, you're seeing what I'm seeing, you would believe, you would believe me and, and agree with me as well. Um, it's unfortunate that they've been losing all of these games um, when they were playing well because I feel like it's a nice little reward, you know, to kind of show you that you, you're you're turning that tide a bit when you're picking up some wins here and there. Um, but look, they got Golden State. Um, I think I'm going to release this uh, tomorrow, which will be Tuesday, the 27th. So they got Golden State tonight, the 27th, at home, and then they head on the road for a West Coast road trip that starts um, in LA against the Lakers. That would Losing both those games would mean 13 straight losses and becoming the 14th team in NBA history to every single game in a calendar month. Quite a, quite an impressive feat, I'd say. Um, what obviously it's it's the wrong side of history that you're on, but at the end of the day, this team was designed to lose games this season. The roster is terrible. The construction of the roster in terms of you know limited size down low. Um, you know, playing some guys that I don't necessarily think should be played. This is not a surprise. This is the result that the front office wanted and, and, and the result that a lot of fans wanted. I would, I can rationalize it for you by comparing it to one team. I would, I would a hundred percent rather be the Washington Wizards and, and, you know, make history losing all these games in February than be the Atlanta Hawks that have Trey Young out for a month, um, decided not to move Deontay Murray uh, you know, have a bunch of guys like DeAndre Hunter, 
um, that they're, you know, you got to pay big money to um, Bogdanovich paying big money to, and you are, I think they're 21 and 30, I think 21 and 30, maybe a little bit better than that, but still they're in that nine, 10, 11 range in the East in that playing spot, not even close to being a top six team. They aren't good and they, they aren't bad either, but they're mediocre. I think I saw a stat. Um, my guy Sean on Twitter sent me this. Um, I think the Hawks are seven fifty and seven fifty in their last fifteen hundred games. Perfectly me mediocre, perfectly mid. The Wizards, the Wizards could be that, and they were that for the last three or four years. They've decided to tank, and now they've bottomed out. Who am I to complain about them bottoming out when this is exactly what I've been asking for for the last four years? So look, I could sit here and, and you know be upset that this team is so bad that they're going to make history on the wrong side by losing every game in February. But it's by design. It's what I wanted. It's what a lot of fans wanted. And it's what happens when you rebuild. Um, you know, they're, they're going to do this the right way. They're going to try to be as bad as they can for the next year or two, maybe three years. Uh, but but this is the way you got to kind of build when you're in a smaller market. Um, when you're in a smaller market that doesn't attract free agents. And DC is a big market. But it's a small market in the fact that it doesn't attract any free agents. So I'm fine with that. And, and that kind of brings me to to one of the, the, the final um, things I want to talk about for this episode. It's the fact that the draft lottery um, is coming up. I think the lottery is, I want to say in May. I think it's like early to mid-May, about like a month and a half before the draft, a month before the draft. Um and obviously that's like three months from now, but still you got to start thinking about it because that is that is the Wizards Super Bowl. That is that is what this season is about. And you got to get lucky now with some of the lottery movements. But the Wizards, the Wizards are are pretty much, you know, they, they've set themselves up the exact way that they wanted to in terms of um, getting a very high draft pick. And the record that they have and how bad they've been this season is a reason for for kind of the way that that they are um, and, and where they position themselves in the lottery. Um, and and look, you might sit here and say, or before I even say that, I should just read off the records real quick. Um, right now, the Wizards sit at number two in terms of um, worst records in the league. They are a half game back of the Detroit Pistons. So if the Pistons were to win, I'm pretty sure they'd be tied right now with the Wizards for the worst record in the league. And you might sit there and say, why is this important? Because don't all the top three teams get the same exact odds for the number one overall pick? Yes, that is true. But the the worse you are, the the um you know the more protection you kind of have. The um you know the less that you can fall in the draft order, if that makes more sense. So if you get if you have the worst odds, if you have the the absolute worst record, like the Pistons. The lowest the Pistons will be able to pick is five. So they can't fall out anywhere other than five. For the Wizards, if they have the second worst record, the worst they can do is six. And then same goes for the third worst record. The worst they can do is seven. So you kind of protect yourself against getting fucked over pretty much by the lottery system. Um, and look, I, I don't think it's too big of a deal, obviously. But... It is beneficial, obviously, for the Wizards to keep losing games. With the Hornets, I think the Hornets have won five of six. They were the the team right outside that bottom three, kind of creeping in. They're not even close anymore. The Wizards, 
I don't even think the Wizards are going to get to the 15 wins that both Charlotte and Portland have at four and five. But even if they do, it's not like those teams aren't going to win another game for the rest of the season. They're going to win three or four or five more games, maybe be at that 19 to 20 win range. The Wizards aren't, I don't even think going to win 16 games. They might not even win 14 or 15. They're going to be absolutely horrible for these last couple of of um, months of the season. So I would I would be comfortable going on record and saying it's pretty much clinched that the Wizards will be a bottom three team in the league and that they will hold a 14% chance for that top for that top pick. Um, and that means that the worst they'd be able to pick is seven, which not counting the trade up last year for for Bilal to move from um. Eight to seven, uh, is is the highest that they I think the highest that they would have picked, um, since, what since they took Otto Porter in twenty thirteen third overall I think so. Look, this is the exact reason that they're they're tanking. They want to get a top pick, and they've set themselves up perfectly to be one of the worst teams in the league. Um, and that's happened, you know, through, you know, poor center depth through you know playing a bunch of these veterans that might not be that good playing a bunch of young guys that might not be that good you know this is this is why they're rebuilding this is the intention of the season so i'm not upset by how bad they are it sucks that they are this bad because it's not fun watching losses it's not fun sitting there for 12 games in february and losing every single one but you gotta you gotta remember why we're doing this and you gotta remember what the wizards intentions with this season are um so hopefully that kind of helps you if you're continuing to watch like me. Um, and, and that's kind of going to do it. I'm going to wrap it up just with some housekeeping. Uh, Denny Avdia has missed the last two games against the Thunder uh, and against the Cavs with a left heel contusion. Um, not much of an update there. I don't know if they're being overly cautious with him or, or what it is because he didn't come out of the game late against uh, Denver. I feel like he, he didn't play well, but he played. Um, so I, I'm not really sure a timetable for that, but it doesn't seem too serious because he was questionable the last two games, I believe. So um, hopefully he's back for the next game against against the Warriors. And if not, I would expect him to definitely be back the following game to close out February on that West Coast trip at L.A. Uh, Corey Kispert, non-COVID illness, was a literally at game time scratch against the Cavs. It's an illness. I feel like it should pass. What makes sense for him to play against Golden State um, tonight, the 27th. Uh, so not too concerned about Corey. And then Bilal... If you watch against the Cavs, he literally jumped from the free throw line and tried to do like a Vince Carter jumping fully over Max Struess. Uh, unfortunately, Struess was set. Great play by him. Took the charge. Uh, but Pilal took a hard fall, fell on his backside, um, injured that right pelvis, left the game with a right pelvis contusion, didn't return after the first quarter. Um, I feel like if... I mean, they're going to be very, very cautious with a lot of their young players, but especially Bilal, who could be the face of this franchise, their their rookie, they're going to be overly cautious with Bilal. So, look, I don't know how long pelvis injuries take. I'm not a I'm not a doctor, uh, but I would I would assume that if it takes if it takes three to four days to heal, they'll probably hold them out a week just to be you know overly cautious. So, I hope he doesn't miss too much time, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Hopefully, Denny's back as well. Should see Corey back in the in the next game. And and look, Draymond coming to town. A lot of animosity still, I'm sure, between him and Poole. Should be a good crowd. I'm sure it'll be 70% bandwagon-ass Warriors fans who don't know anything about basketball, but just know that Steph Curry is a very good player. Um, the Warriors have won championships, and they only like teams that are good, have a really good player, and win championships. 
that's the worst part about the NBA. Unfortunately, we got a lot of bandwagon fans. And unfortunately for the Wizards, they take over Capital One Arena pretty much every time, no matter if the Wizards are the number one seed in the East or if the Wizards are the number 14 seed in the East. It's going to be... It's going to be a neutral site game, and it it will in all likelihood be a Warriors home game all the way across the country. Um, that shit pisses me off. Um, it's annoying. It should piss you off too if you're a fan when you know you're at home and it sounds like you are playing a game on the road. That's going to be the case. So just trying to prepare you for that. Hopefully, Poole continues his good play against Draymond. I'm uh, I'm sure they're going to be you know exchanging words. Um, should be a fun game to watch. It's at 7 p.m. Um, you can watch on the NBA app or on Monumental Sports Network if you get that in, in um, the DMV area. Um, but look, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, just to recap, talked about Poole and his efficient, not not efficient, but his better play as of late coming off the bench. Talked about Johnny Davis and, and Jared Butler getting minutes. You know, Butler looking pretty solid. Davis, you know, kind of the same as we, we've seen in the past. Hopefully that improves. Um, talked about Bagley um, and the addition of Holmes. Um, you know, not necessarily pinning the blame on them for the interior, um, the lack thereof of an interior presence defensively, but obviously you like to see it improve on that end. Uh, and then talked about how the Wizards are going, uh, they're going to lose two more games. I don't think they beat the Warriors or the Lakers. And if that happens, they'll be the 14th team to lose every single game in a calendar month in an NBA season. So very bad, really, really close to securing that bottom three spot, uh, which obviously gives them better odds of the number one pick and, and, Better odds overall in the draft lottery. Um, but look, that's going to do it for this episode of, of the Wizards podcast. Uh, again, appreciate all you for listening. The support has been unbelievable um, over the last couple of, of episodes. Some of my best um, rated episodes, most downloaded episodes. So um, that wouldn't be possible without you know all you guys that, that listen, support, and share it. So I want to personally thank everyone who who takes the time out of the day to listen to me. It's, it's very cool even to say that now. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, I appreciate all you for, for tuning in and, and go is.